Welcome to the Epic Impact Society podcast, where we discover the stories behind those artists, innovators, educators, and creative leaders making an epic impact in our world today. Here's your host, creative force, curious mind, and epic educator, Mark Milhone. Welcome to the Epic Impact Society podcast. Today I have the great pleasure to be with James Haven. He's a social innovator and director and founder of Safe Haven, protecting the rights and laws safeguarding children. He is dedicated to youth-related causes around the world, developing comprehensive solutions to this incalculable systemic problem. His mission is to ensure that children are guaranteed their God-given fundamental human rights to a safe childhood. James Haven, thank you so much for joining us. Honored to be here. Thank you. So I'd like to start off just by asking you, is there a project, a cause, a concern that's really top of mind for you right now? I mean, this is a big umbrella, but I think one of the biggest things that I focus on now and pretty much affects everybody is the idea of mental health and very youth-related causes. So obviously, um, some of the most horrific statistics for like teenage girls and whatnot since the pandemic, you know, especially in America, the, the numbers have gone through the roof, the stats of suicide and whatnot. So I think that would be my number one. Yeah, coming out of the pandemic, particularly for youth, there has been just huge impacts the lack of that in-person social engagement and connection. But tell me a bit more in terms of the mental health challenges that you're looking at. What do you see as the leading causes or perhaps something which people don't recognize as a really important factor in this challenge? Well, I think there's two sides of this coin, and there might be many more, but I'll just start with the, the first part. I think that diagnosis of any kind of mental health challenges is very serious to me. Like, you know, I was talking to someone earlier this morning Um, And I said a quote that I truly believe you could pretty much say in any room in the world, and they would pretty much not. The things that happen to you as children affect you the rest of your life. But even though we might all nod to that, what we're really not asking, though, is how many of us have actually been diagnosed or gone through some form of something to figure out what those things were that happened to us as children and have then affected us the rest of our lives. And so that would be the first thing, is the ability to address the things in our life that happened early and are continually affecting us the rest of our lives. So that'd be number one. That's more of an internal thing, of course. And then there's the external aspect. When I was a kid, we played a lot of basketball outside. And yes, we had our video games, but now it seems the reverse. Now it seems like they've cut a lot of pee in classrooms and things like that. Sadly, many kids in America especially are being defined as obese. They're playing sports games on their PlayStations or whatever the machine is they're using, but they're not actually going outside playing basketball. So Mm -hmm. that's another component of that internalness of being inside. But then you add the pandemic to it. I know people that were graduating from college. They were so excited to graduate college. And then all of a sudden they're doing a Zoom graduation. And that is not a graduation. And so if you're having a very you know, human experience, like a graduation from college or any form of thing like that, and it's on a Zoom, you've missed out on something that you arguably can never experience now. Yeah, and I can see how those things would really end up compounding each other. So those become those childhood traumatic experiences, you know, which live on and continue to resonate throughout your life. Yes, and just to use the graduation component, again, it's nothing against the colleges. They did their best right during that time. But how many more instances of life will be that apart? Everything's far away. And there's no more of this holding someone's hand or hugging them or being in in their presence. 
and that goes back to technology. You know, I love technology, but you must have that. You know, they talk about with babies all the time. They say, especially in the formative years, if you don't hug a baby, they'll die. Right. We all hear that, mm-hmm. but then we don't realize. Yes, but again, back to what I said, what affects you when you're young will affect you the rest of your life. So if you're getting that detachment early then the rest of your life you're getting one emoji that's supposed to make up for someone actually in person telling you they love you. Right. One, one thing which really resonates for me is there's so much focus on new technology, new this and new that, and we can do this now, we can do that now. But what gets lost for me in that conversation is a recognition that that the body and the being that is experiencing all these changes is fundamentally unchanged. That Our evolution is not caught up to the idea that your tribe can be apart from you. That is something which will Very never well make said. sense in our body. Very you know? well said. Exactly well said. It, yes, they should not be apart. Yeah. And so when people talk about community, where is our community when it's a detached community? You know, you can have a million friends on any social media site, but I'd rather have one friend. Right. Who's actually like, James... If you need me, I'm there. Call me any time of night, whatever. I don't need someone online that just shows up once in a while but really isn't my friend. Right. But I call them a friend. See, I have tons of friends online. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not friends. <laughs> you call yeah. them friends, they're not friends. You know. So, yeah, I agree with that. And I think the pandemic really showed how important mental health is. We now need to look at mental health and just our mental components in a much more focused way because i think that we'll from that if we learn anything we'll realize it really does affect so many choices if not every choice in our life this is the primary focus of the work you're doing with safe haven i like to look at safe haven as an umbrella there's many things under the safe haven umbrella i'm very childhood oriented as as i've stated and that means that if we get to a child and we focus on their mental health but it's also their physical health it's also their emotional health it's getting to them early so they then don't want to commit suicide at 12. Right. So what I mean is, and that covers more than just mental health. That covers like protecting them from human trafficking, covering them from sexual abuse and the diagnosis and getting them out of a troubled situation. When people say to me, how would you summarize your entire focus? I'd say, I protect children. That would be it. Because then if mm-hmm. you protect them in all those aspects I'm talking about, then they have the opportunity for a healthy adulthood. There was a quote I came up with, I'm not saying it's original, but there was a quote I came up with when I started working in the college sphere, you have the opportunity to fight for your dreams while tackling your nightmares. You actually have those four years of pure motivation to say, I'm going to deal with what happened to me at six. I'm going to deal with how many 10. I want to go through this process. If I need some form of therapy, if I have drug and alcohol dependence, if I have whatever. In these four years, if I can really tackle those nightmares and fight for my dreams, then by the time I take that tassel and move it left to right, I really am believing in those college speeches that sometimes can seem so flowery, mm-hmm. but that students themselves don't believe it. You know what I mean? Like I remember right. a couple years back, they said the majority of students that are graduating now do not believe they're going to have a better life than their parents. And I remember it broke my heart. I started crying. Like I went, what a sad moment believing they're going to have a lesser life as they're walking across that stage, as they're hearing these rousing speeches. But if they went through this ability of tackling their nightmares while fighting for their dreams, they really would believe they could have a great life and a better life. And that's my dream for them. So I want to get kids early. I want them to have the greatest childhood in the world. But even if, sadly, it can't happen, get them before they're adults. Get them before they're out there. Get them before they have to deal with all those nightmares that we sadly hear that adults deal with.
dysfunctional relationships, drug or alcohol abuse, all forms of suicidal ideation. It's all trauma. And if you don't get to it early, it will stay with you the rest of your life. Yeah. And then you'll have less for life, too. You'll actually have a yeah. lesser <clears throat> lifespan on top of it. Yeah. That's really resonant for me. I mean, our feelings are there to guide us and steer us towards those things which will be helpful for us. Yes. But if you grow up in a traumatic environment, then your, your level set for what the world is going to be is going to be dangerous, fraught. So anytime you reach for a new beginning or a new start, all of those demons will come forward, as Correct. you're saying. Correct. So we can't really separate aspiration from the demons that have to be faced because they're on, on some level, they're there to try to protect us from some horrible thing which happened in the past. Yes. And just to add to that, if we've had like conditioning that says, I'm not really going to achieve what I want. Right. It's more of, well, this is what always happens. And then you're right. So then it, it, it protects us in a kind of a not healthy way. I mean, there's a quote that I take very seriously. And it's a quote that I think is the most powerful sentence I've literally ever heard in my life. And the quote is, you never know how damaged someone is until you try to love them. I mean, that is it. Wow. And that's what we're talking about, this constant defense mechanism stuff. So when you understand that about people, and we've all had our traumas, you know, there was someone who's pretty prolific in our world, and they were doing a quick interview um, a couple weeks ago, and they kept saying trauma is trauma. And, and that was the quote I loved. It was trauma is trauma, meaning people will think if you're in a car accident, a very bad car accident, some people would say that that trauma is worse than someone at five years old being told by someone that they really love and really look up to how fat they are. And the truth is, is that the body reacts the same way. Hmm. And that's something that I really love this person stated, is that we need to realize that trauma is trauma. This is why I say if someone's been damaged, you don't know until you try to love them. If you know that about a person and you love them, it's the best advice I can give people who are trying to love and really love someone. If they've gone through stuff like that, and you really love them, you have to keep remembering what they've been through. You gotta just breathe and just go, they have never been in this moment. They have never experienced someone who hasn't given up on them. And that's one of the biggest statements of all time is abandonment. You know, is in regard to abuse really quickly, there's all these different forms of abuse, but any child psychologist will tell you this, the worst form of abuse on the planet is neglect. And it's not said enough. I wish it was said all day long. Mm -hmm. It's so big. The dad who can give you all the money in the world but only has a dinner once a month to see how you're doing goodbye. That's neglect. I just wish more people could understand like to be there for a person, to be able to say to a person, I will always be here for you. I'm not going anywhere, no matter what. That will change a human being's life. It brings forward just how challenging the pandemic time was there. Because what the pandemic told us was, no matter what happens in your life, I'm not going to be there for you. I can't be in the same room with you. That's I can't right. be there no matter right. what. Right. Yeah. And it was constantly conditioned every day, every week, every hour. I'm glad we focused on this because I think that that is what a lot of people are still dealing with. And because we've never focused on mental health to start, mm -hmm. and then you have the pandemic, no one wants to admit it. So you get this double down. You yeah. get this like, okay, we've never really talked about mental health, but now we really should be. Nope. I'm good. Pandemic's over. Yeah, and I think we can cognitively say, well, that time is over now. But a book that's been so resonant for me on so many different levels is The Body Keeps the Score. Yep. 
by Bezer van der Kolk. And, and I agree with that. What he talks about is just the way in which the experience of trauma is really held in our body, held in our tissues. You know, we, we've evolved through millennia to become the beings that we are now. And the systems which regulate our sense of trauma, physical safety, those aren't ideas. Those are things which are held in our body. And so it is challenging to really create that sense of physical, emotional, mental safety mm-hmm. that allows people to open up to their greater resilience, creativity, possibility. So I, I, I think it's so important that you're doing this work. It leads me to want to explore this just a little bit more, looking at the pillars of Epic. Yeah, let's do it. I'm really curious about how you decided to do something about the mental health crisis. Was there a formative experience or a mentor or something which allowed you to see, here's a place where mm-hmm. I can make an input? Mm-hmm experience. It's a long story, so I'm trying to make a long story short. But yes, I had an incredible experience. Here was the moment that changed my life. A friend of mine called me up one day and said, hey, Jam, um, are you in LA? And I said, yeah, I'm in LA. And she said, cool. Um, listen, I've got about eight or nine girls. They're all pregnant. Uh, some of them have been kicked out of the home or some of them you know, have had abusive boyfriends or whatnot. And they're kind of down on their luck and they're not really feeling well. Anyway, we're going to go to a park tomorrow and um, just kind of have a little picnic and hang out. And you're really good at, you know, inspiring people when they're really down on their luck. And I've seen you do it. Would, would you mind talking to them? And I said, of course. So I went to the park. We had this picnic and, you know, I, I spoke to all of them and that was it. I thought, okay, I hope that I was able to do what was, you know, requested by my friend. I hope I inspired them in some way. A year later, I get a call from a woman who's become one of my dearest friends. Her name's Kimberly. She says, all she wants to do is thank you for saving a program that helps children. And my first thought was, well, you're not going to lie. I don't see anybody would lie about that. That's not a topic you would be lying about. There's but no I also angle don't, there. Yeah. Right. There's no angle, but I also don't remember saving a program. So I'm, so I'm having this moment like, uh, oh, I saved her? I don't remember doing that. Okay. She says, I just have to tell you, James, I was charged with you know saving this program that saves thousands of kids. Um, with very serious you know, issues of child abuse and works with the DA. And when they go to court, they have this 96% conviction rate and they get the kid out of the situation and all this stuff. And anyway, I was charged with saving the program. And I read uh, you speaking to these young girls and how you were inspiring them on the cover of the San Diego Union Tribune. And I'm literally, like, as she's talking, I'm going, what are you talking about? How'd you get on the cover of the newspaper? One of those girls who had been kicked out of the house, mm-hmm. her father was editor-in-chief. And when I talked to her alone, she sent that to her dad. So to this day, to this day, and I love you, Kim, to this day, you know, every time she talks to me, she's almost surprised I'm talking to her. And she goes, I read what you said to these young girls, and I was inspired, and I called everybody, and we say the program forever. So there is my moment. That was mm-hmm. it. Now, there's, there's a point to this. I then met those nurses. I then met the DA. I then met those detectives. I then learned from one of the creators of the ACE study, which is, for those who don't know, the Adverse Childhood Experience Study, of the importance of, as I was saying early in this podcast, the things that happen to you as children affects you the rest of your life. So what looked like I had done something was actually the greatest blessing in my own life. Mm. And that's why I said in the beginning of this whole point, I wish everybody alive, whenever you have an opportunity to do something, do it, because you never know what it's going to do. Right. I could have said, I'm busy tomorrow, and then that whole story mm-hmm. changes. And I didn't realize that I'm getting the greatest blessing of all time because I'm doing something good for others, and I'm just getting this like 10 times over blessing. Wow. 
but that, that was the experience. And that experience changed my life forever because then I looked at my own life, I looked at everything, and that's, and that's the whole trajectory. So that was the experiential experience that changed my life. That's so resonant. I think that it's impossible to know what small act, what tiny affirmation. Exactly. Because there is such a need. Yes, I can't emphasize that enough. If anything in this podcast resonates, it's this moment. If you're appalled by any form of lack of change in how we protect children, then do something. Like if someone says to me, which they've done before, they've said, James, I love the work you do to protect children. You know, my wife and I, we go to church nearby and we're always concerned about it. I said, where's the church? Let's go. And then I let him be the power. I said, you ask the director of the church, what's the policy to protect kids? You just, you, you guys are part of this. And, you know, how do you make sure the kids are safe in Sunday school or whatever, whatever the topic is. But it was like just letting them be in that moment of addressing and then letting them be the moment of empowering. That friend calling me empowered me. Little did I know that. Me telling this father and husband, let's go to the church now, empowered him. So you never know when you're going to have that moment of empowerment. And that's why there is no such thing as a little thing. That little thing affected the entire congregation of that church and in turn affected the whole community. So he changed the world right there. Mm. There you go. I, I love that because I, I oftentimes find these connections between the learning experience that one received yes. and the learning experience that one is able to give. Correct. Correct. Are there things that you do to, to nourish yourself, to make sure that you don't get compassion fatigue with mm-hmm. all the things that you hold that allow you to be fully present in the way that you're talking about? Absolutely. Um, my favorite sound in the entire world is the first bird. I get it very early. There's a silence. And then you hear this first bird. And it is so magical to me what that must feel like for that first bird. That first chirp you hear. Hey, hello, anyone here? There's something so magical about that. And what I'm getting at is that I was named after James Berry, who of course wrote Peter Pan. And I really do believe this. One of my greatest traits is I really do believe that I'm the child that doesn't grow up because I have such a wonder about that, that when I hear that first bird, it never gets tiring. Or when I'm in my element with music, which is my favorite thing in the world is music, I'm always this little kid. And so I think the answer is, so I never have compassion fatigue, is I have my moment where I get to be a little kid. That's the answer. That's a nice transition to the eye of Epic, which is ingenuity. Right. Looking at that creative spark and how you nurture that and support that. Do you have a creative hero? Mm. Someone who really speaks Mm. to you, resonates for you, and, and keeps you inspired? Creative hero. I like that question. Creative hero. I would say my creative hero would be, I don't want it to sound like self-absorbed, but my creative hero would be the way my intellect can process a situation. Like sometimes I've, I've nicknamed myself this. I've, sometimes I feel like I'm a scientist. Like I'll take this piece and then this piece and then four days later I'll talk it out loud to myself like, okay, da 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 And then somehow I come to this, boom, there it is. And so I think... The creative hero for me is the moment when it all comes together. And I don't even say it's like my thought. It's like just a thought that's like in the universe. It's kind of like my favorite movie, Star Wars. So it's kind of like the force. It's just when Luke closes his eyes or anybody right, closes their eyes, there's, there's something they're tapping into. And they wouldn't say it's them, but they're the catalyst that it's being used with. So I would say like as an analogy, whatever that is, that is that moment of for me where it all comes together, that is what I would say. 
I love that answer. There was um, a mindfulness exercise, which uh, TJ, who's the head of experience here at Epic, he had people write down on a piece of paper, so who are the five people that are most influential, most important in your life? And we all dutifully did that. And then the question that he asked was, okay, how many of you included yourself on that list? No one. No one. Right. And I think you should. That's, yeah. why, that's why I'm glad you asked that question, because that's. I think it's important. I think. I think it's very important. Yeah. yeah. So thank you for that. Yeah, and uh, thank you for bringing forward that we can be our own creative heroes. Mm-hmm. You know, that we I can think it's rec- really important. That we can recognize really our resilience yeah. and our ability to create the world in which we live. Exactly, and I'll just add to that. So thank you for this moment. I'll just add to that. I mean, because that's the thing. Like, are we always looking to others to be that? You know, it's like, wow, that, I mean, that was, wow, that's, I mean, well, wait a second. <laughs> Can't you do that? I really love that insight because part of what Epic focuses on is that creativity is not something which is for a special few and it's not just for its own sake. It's mm-hmm. something that is for all of us to create ourselves, to create our life, to create our experience. And we all have that opportunity and, and that challenge. Every one of us has that opportunity to make that difference in whatever it is we're doing. And it's just the moment of saying, this is how it's always been done in some way mm-hmm. and now I want to be the hero that I want to be like my hero would do this well I'm going to do it then mm-hmm. that's how I can be my hero real simple that's a great transition to community impact mm-hmm. which is something I know you care a lot about and is a core part of epic so in terms of community impact how is it that you inspire people to become their own hero Mm-hmm. I think, and I give my full gift of this to my mom, I think I learned so many things from her, but one of them was that idea of like, when she's with you, she's with you. I get to know people because I'm not distracted by five million things. And by getting to know them, I find out what they really care about. And then in turn, I hope to inspire them to do those things they care about. And what I realize is there's usually always a cohesiveness with what I'm doing. And so before you know it, we find a quick way to work together. That's, that's been my experience. And then one last part of that, I think, which is also important, is are you real? Which is a big part Mm -hmm. of life, sadly, you know, that we've all experienced in our own ways. You may not really believe that I'm going to come into your community and care about this topic for real and really get behind you. But let my actions prove it to you. To me, that's sort of the ultimate think globally and act locally. Mm -hmm. You know, the, Mm -hmm. the real locally is right here, right now with the person that's in front of you. Can you be fully present and authentic and curious? And I can't emphasize that enough. That's a perfect thing to end on because you're right. We think globally, but then we don't act locally. And you want to go, well, what does that mean? Well, it means exactly what you think it means. In your neighborhood, there's people that are dealing with stuff. If you could make your neighborhood better, and if everybody took that same attitude, you'd have a better global. That's, it's just real simple. You just like do it almost like reverse engineering. Like if everybody just acted, really acted locally, you'd have better globally. Excellent. Well, I... This 45 minutes yeah, or an hour, so it's thank you so much. completely yeah. flown by. Yeah. For people who would like to follow you, where's the best place for people to connect? I think the best for people to connect at the moment would be anything with regard to Epic. If there's a way where they could just go through Epic and then to me, that'd be the easiest way. Because right now I don't have an Instagram or any kind of social media. Okay, great. Well, thanks for bringing your energy, your enthusiasm, and your authenticity to Epic. Our community is is richer for having that. Very lucky. I'm very lucky to be part of it. Thank you so much. 
The Epic Impact Society is a nonprofit organization building a community of international professionals from a cross-pollinization of industries who promote creative leadership, ingenuity, and social innovation through arts, experiential learning, and humanitarian engagement. To stay up to date on all things Epic, find us at epicimpactsociety.org and follow us on Instagram and LinkedIn.